right, everybody. Hello out there on LinkedIn land or wherever you are here listening. Uh, I'm joined today by Christopher Atia. Atia. I got That's it right. Yeah, this yeah, time. Right yeah. Bang on. I, get I get stressed out about these names. I know of a stupid name myself. Yeah. It's it's all good. All right. Welcome back. We have done a podcast before. I've done a few with your business partner, Mark. Uh, so great to connect with you again. Where are you as we are connected right now? Uh, yeah, well, great to uh, chat again with you, Duarte. Yeah, right now I'm in Spain. Um, I've been, my, my dad actually lives out in Spain. Um, so I came out here about a week and a half ago and we, we did a, a bit of a road trip, um, you know, around Spain and, and we're, we're now at his place in um, in the south. So one of the, the good things about the fully remote working world these days is you can pretty much work from anywhere. So yeah, down his house in the uh, in the south of Spain. Couple of team meetings, a wee tapas. Yeah, yeah, bit of, exactly. red, bit of red wine, maybe. Of you wine. Know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. A bit of pool time. Yeah, yeah, living the yeah, dream. It sounds very mad, man. You know, you're, you're, you're living <laughs> yeah, the dream. Bit of a, a cigar meeting, great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sounds a bit more glamorous than it actually yeah. is. But, yeah, I, I tried to do a bit of work last week when I was no, away, no. and just didn't happen. Thank God, no. I'm rejuvenated yeah. today. Um, <laughs> for everybody listening, can you give us just a bit of a rundown in? your USA journey. And then maybe I'll ask you a bit more about the business stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um started my career in 2010 um, from um, the illustrious city of Portsmouth on the south coast of, of the UK and uh, moved up to London uh, once I graduated joining S3. Um, so spent two years um, working for S3 in, in London. Um, and then in 2012, I moved out to Chicago to essentially launch their um, Chicago business. Um, the time they were relatively small, they had about four or five people already in Chicago. Uh, I moved out there to open up Real Staffing, which was their life science um, brand. We did that for about five years and we grew it from nothing to, by the time I left, I think it was probably about 40, 50 people um, headquartered in Chicago, but then also we had a kind of satellite office in Minneapolis. And then in 2017, um, I launched Engtal. So we... Uh, which, uh, I was um, connected with Mark Zanowski, who, who you mentioned, um, and then him and I yeah, launched the business back end of 2017, properly got started, I would say January 2018. And then, yeah, over the last four and a half years, we've essentially been growing that business. Um, you know, we launched a second brand called Biotal at the start of this year, um, you know, which is focused more on the uh, biotech and, and pharmaceutical industry. Um, and as a business, I, I think we're about 50, 55 people right now. We, we have a, a 10 person grad class starting, I mean, over the next two months. Um, so we should be 75 to 80 people, um, you know, kind of come the, the end of this year, so long as everything keeps going well. So quick high level overview, but that's uh, where we're at today. One of uh, one of my previous guests, Jamie uh, from Lumicity, uh, pre previous known as uh, Vivid, um, mm. him and yourself, I, I, I always use them as examples of like how it can work out for somebody if you follow the right path and move to the mm. USA. It doesn't work for everybody. Not everybody puts the work in or makes the right decisions along the way. But if you can firstly get over there, secondly, will be first boots on the ground in a new office or like have a real shot at getting up that leadership ladder. And mm. then secondly, if you get up to a certain stage, somebody like Mark, 
it's going to tap you on the shoulder at some stage and say, I I want to do this. I've done this before. I think you could be the man. It, it's a real like life-changing moment that and choosing how to how and when to do it what was that decision making process like for you just from the initial setup because you must have been pretty secure in a nice director role mm. like yeah yeah i mean at first i think i think you're 100 percent right you know people often ask me you know kind of what you know what would you attribute some of your success to and for me is those brave decisions i think throughout my career there were three times where i made a decision that maybe the average person wouldn't have made one was moving from small town up to london one was making the jump over to the us and one was starting my own business and i think that you know when you're if you're brave enough to make um you know kind of those those decisions then you know that's how you accelerate your career in terms of the thought process um yeah i, I wasn't looking you know i was generally kind of pretty happy with where i was um you know, I looked at where Mark was in his life and yeah. I looked at, this is no disrespect to anyone kind of ahead of me, but I looked at some of the executives at S3 who used to work with Mark 20 years ago when he worked at S3. And I just knew which of those lives I wanted, right? You know, yeah. I, you know, again, those, those people in those C-level roles at S3 made some very good money. They had a very good life, but they didn't have the kind of life that I wanted. And, and you know, Mark um, was, was certainly, you know, kind of a lot, a lot closer to that. Um, and when I really, it was interesting because when we first connected, I actually said to Mark, now's not the right time. You know, I'll come, you know, hit me up again in, in, you know, kind of a year or so. And then about two weeks later, I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And I was yeah. like, all right, this is an opportunity that I just, I, I need to, you know, kind of take, take the plunge on this. And then I called him back and, and we, you know, kind of started and um, started moving forward. Um, but I always say, you know, your, your job and your company is a vehicle to get you where you want to get to. And yeah. S3 took me a long way to that journey. But I think I was at a point where, I knew they couldn't take me the rest of the way and I needed to, you know, make the move and do something else if I was to get to where I wanted to be. Yeah, there's so many good examples um, out there. Not everybody sticks to it, though. Mm -hmm. I had a, I placed a, a young chap and he did really well. Uh, he moved moved over and got, got into a better discipline first thing, like, and then, like, high yield, good fees, knocked it out of the park, um, I placed him on a low enough base. He didn't have much experience. And then a year or two later, I think he, or a year and a half later, he moved to one of the majors and mm -hmm. he did that there for a bit. And he made loads of, like, started doing really well. And then luckily an opportunity presented itself mm -hmm. and now he has another shot at something, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's been brave at the the right moments. Now yeah. he has a chance to be you now. And, mm -hmm. I, I just like if a lot of people who go over, if they a lot of people don't manage to make it through year one yeah. because you, you nobody's going to offer you like millions to sit down without yeah. a network, without any market knowledge, and being away from like you. The, there's a big risk. What type of advice would you have to people who who make that journey initially? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. You know, I've seen people be very successful and, you know, I've seen people that, that haven't been. I think there's a couple of things that people need to bear in mind. Firstly, the opportunity in the US is way, way bigger, but it's not necessarily easier. And I think that's one of the things that there's a bit of a misconception, right? People think, wow, I can go over here and I'm going to make, um, you know, kind of a lot of money a lot easier than, than I am in, in the UK. And it doesn't really work like that. You know, those two right. things 
you know, they don't equate to the same thing. Just because it's a bigger yeah. opportunity doesn't necessarily mean it's easier. And um, so I think going in with the mindset of this is not going to be easy, I, I would imagine all of the people that I've brought over from the uh, the UK would probably say that the six, first six months was harder than they thought it was going to be. Because um, it's a lot less transactional. It's a lot more relationship oriented. I actually think you've got to be a bit smarter to recruit effectively in, in the US. You know, I do think in the UK market, you sit your ass in the seat, you pick up the phone a hundred times, you send out hundred mail shots, you'll probably do some business. It doesn't really work like that in, in the US. Um, so going in prepared for that, I think is important. Um, I think it's very important to learn from people that have done it before. Like there is a recipe for success in the US and the people that I haven't, or I've seen not be successful, a kind of people that came over, implemented their UK mindset um, and didn't really adapt to their environment. I certainly did that when I moved. The first six months, I really struggled, you know, and I did all the things that made me good in the UK um, and I wasn't successful. And I distinctly remember sitting down and being like, all right, I've got to change something here. Like, you know, there's the way we're doing business is it's just different. And when I did adapt and I did change, that's when I started becoming, um, you know, more, more successful. Um, so I think my advice for people would be go in knowing it's going to be you know possibly tougher than you think be humble you know even if you've been a top winner in the uk doesn't necessarily mean that all of that will transfer in in you know to the us and then really try and work for a company that knows the recipe for success i think now there are a ton of companies that are looking to open up in the us you know promised land um and yeah, I think there are a lot of companies that are, are not doing it very well because they just don't know US recruitment. So if you do partner with a company, you know, that, that has a, a presence here, and in my opinion, you will probably be a bit more successful than someone that's a brand new and never done US recruitment before type of organization. I, I tend to 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 not work with those companies. So um mm -hmm. I get asked all day, hey, can you find me somebody in the US? No, you go do that. Yeah. When you've got a base over there, you've got a good leader, you've got a structure, then I can I can help you. But at, the risk's too great for, for me to put it in. 100%. It's, that formula is really interesting. Do you, when you say relationship, you, do you mean on the candidate side or the client side? or uh, What do you mean? The, the relationship building aspect? Yeah. Uh, pro probably more on, on the client side, you know, obviously the, the nature of a candidate relationship, unless you're doing contract, is that it tends to be a bit more transactional. Um, but um, yeah, on, on the client side, I mean, personally, I find it a lot more enjoyable. You know, one of the things I really disliked about UK recruitment was that, you know, I kind of felt like a double glazing salesman, you know, a necessary evil. People didn't want to hear from me. They didn't want to see me. But if I sent them a good candidate, maybe they'd hire them. Um, yeah. In the US, it's very different to that. You know, you're not you know, you are seen as a real value add profession. Like, you know, we have customers that, you know, thank us after we do. We have customers that send us Christmas cards and thank us for the hard work we put into, yeah. um, you know, they're building their businesses. Um, and that is, for me, um, you know, one of the more desirable aspects of doing the job here is that you really get the sense that you're a bit more of a professional. Um, but they do, uh, you know, require more of you. Like, you know, you, you may not, you know, again, they, they like to, build a relationship with you. They like weekly Zoom calls with you. They like to, um, you know, really trust the people that they're working with, you know, even if you maybe, you know, don't have the best candidate initially, 
I think they'd be more likely to work with you if they have a good relationship with you and they see your face and they know that, you know, kind of you're, um, you know, um, a good person who's, who's going to work hard. Um, so it's that kind of, you know, longer term play where, you know, you might not do your first, you might meet with a client five times before you do your first placement. Um, but if you have a long term mindset and you target the right people, that will come off um, as opposed to, you know, saying, you know what, forget them. They're still, you know, I'll try my hardest and they're not working with me. So I'm going to go and try and find someone else. So you you guys have a great company, great leadership team, really slick process, haven't worked with you, but you're bloody hard to place with. Tell me this, <laughs> what what's the secret sauce for somebody who's an Intel person? Like what, what are you looking for? Because it, there's a little bit of an X factor, I think, that that, that, that you guys look for. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, look, you know, we, we have a very, very high talent bar and, you know, we always will. You know, my management or leadership philosophy is to, you know, um, attract the right people to my company and, and keep them there. Right. You know, that, that is all I do. It's not all I do, but, you know, that every, um, you know, thing that I do, that is the kind of guiding principle of, you know, how and why, you know, kind of I do my job. So attracting the right talent is an absolutely crucial part of our strategy um you know i believe that if you get the right people and you keep them engaged and motivated you know a lot of problems solve themselves and and you know your business will run very effectively um in terms of um you know what what we we look for um you know we have a very um you know we we look for people that are um, you know, to be honest, it's probably nothing that's kind of massively revolutionary. You know, we look for top performers. We look for people that have strong longevity. We look for people, um, you know, that we believe are going to be good cultural additions, um, you know, for, to our organization. Um, you know, we look for people that are very, very driven and motivated. You know, our environment you know, it might appear quite casual. You know, we do, this is probably the smartest I've dressed in like a month. Um, and you, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not wearing a face. Yeah, you're not wearing any any underpants. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, you know, we, we you know, our offices, they look more like a tech company, right? You know, and, and yeah. you know, we, we don't monitor when people are kind of on the clock. We're not a massively KPI-oriented environment. But the only way that works is if you hire people that are incredibly mm. self-motivated. And the people that work for us, you know, they don't work hard because I tell them to work hard. They work hard because they have their own, you know, drive and motivation, their own things they want to achieve in life. And a lot of my job is often taking that pressure off them and saying, you know what, you're cool. Like, you know, don't worry about, you know, the fact that, you know, th this is happening right now or you're not as far forward as you would like because you will get there. So Profile-wise, similar to, um, you know, kind of pr probably everyone, but I think that real level of drive and self-motivation that, you know, Mark and I have, I think, in, in Spadefuls, um, and it's really rife throughout the business. If you talk to people from our fresh graduates to our directors, you know, they are all very, very driven, motivated people. Um, but I think also we offer a lot, right? You know, we have... I mean, we have incredibly high staff retention. I think we've had one lever in eight months or something like that. You know, we, we have, you know, a health and wellness program, very competitive comp. Like, you know, we really, really look after our employees. But the flip side of that is that, you know, we have a very high bar of the people that we try and bring in. Um, you know, you could probably equate it, you know, not to compare my company to Google, but some of the big tech companes are also like that, right? You know, they have very, you very you, ju you just did. Oh, no, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, well done. Well done. We'll let you away with it. Um, so tell me some success stories. Um, I want to hear about like people who come in with very little experience, 
who are making for a young person life-changing money yeah i mean we have i mean just one example right off the bat you know we, we have one um girl who works for us. she joined us in I want to say October of um, last year. So, you know, she's been with us for well less than a year. Um, she did, she's going to do 180K this month and make almost 45 grand in commission. Um, she's 24, 25, um, you know, I would say. Um, so, you know, just... I, I, I would have died if I had a made Yeah, that exactly, yeah, yeah. Like, Anna would have been fired. I'd be like... I, know, I feel she's, she's more sensible than me. If not, I would have paid it out like, like the lottery pays it out, like yeah. in like you know certain installments to, to make sure that she looks after herself. But she, she, she's a lot more sensible than I am. Um, but you know that that's one. You know, I think another great success story is um, a girl called Kate who works for us. You know, she joined us eighteen months ago um, as a consultant. I mean, a consultant level. She's now an associate business manager. She manages nine people. She's got two more um, graduates starting. Um, she she builds. 850k or something i think last year you know and, and made you know 25 percent of that in commission um and you know when she joined us you know she was very managerially motivated you know her current company had a little bit of a glass ceiling she wasn't really going anywhere she wanted to build a team and 18 months on yeah she's she's soon to have 10 11 people and i think the sky's the limit for her i think you know she thinks she could have 30 people in in you know the next 18 months yeah. um so th there's a lot that's what inspires me like you know we we've had a number of you know people that you know have not um, you know, again, that they're young, they're hungry, they work hard and, and, you know, what they've been able to achieve financially and from a career perspective yeah. is just, you know, it's, it's incredible to see. And, you know, that's what kind of get, gets me out of bed every morning. Where, where's the office offices now? What's the, what, what type of like desks are, are you guys recruiting for? So we have, so physically we have offices in Chicago, Dallas, um, and then we have our office in Stafford in the UK, which is kind of like a feeder club, I guess, to the US business. Um, and and then we have our marketing team in Newcastle in the UK. So we have a, a six person marketing team um, and um, yeah, they're based out in Newcastle. Um, why don't you put, why don't you put your feeder office in Newcastle? Surely there's a, there's, there's there's a major recruitment company there. Yeah, the, the feeder office honestly kind of came by accident. Well, you, I mean, you're responsible for it initially. So <laughs> we obviously hired, you know, we, we yeah. hired someone, you know, in, yeah. in that area. Um, and um, but due to COVID, obviously, you know, planning on bringing him out to the States, but, you know, that got delayed due to COVID. Um, the company he used to work for, you know, there were a few other people that were kind of interested yeah. in making a move. So we ended up hiring a handful of people from that company, also looking to come over to the US. So two of them, we actually brought them over two weeks ago, which is exciting. Um, and so that That's kind cool. of happened by accident. I like Stafford. It's a nice little town, although not part of our strategic goals to have an office there. Yeah. Um, but Newcastle is is somewhere that's probably going to be more of a, a permanent UK base for us. So eventually that probably will be our yeah, feeder cool. as well. So what does it look like if somebody wants to join you from the UK um, and get over there? Like from from the moment like they speak to you, like what what, what happens? Yeah, I mean, we obviously, you know, we put them through a relatively extensive interview process. Mark, being based in the UK, um, can normally meet them in person. He doesn't like going up north. I think he stops at about Watford. But, you know, if they're below that, he's fine to, to meet with them. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, we, we would do that, get them through the interview process. Um, after that, there was obviously the visa process. 
um, normally takes three to four months, um, you know, depending on, you know, kind of your, your experience. Because we have bases in the UK, we are able to accommodate people that have a bit less experience. So, for example, if we hired someone, maybe they were a year experience or they had 18 months experience and wanted to move to the US, we could feasibly employ them in the UK, um, get them up to speed, get them working a US market and ramp them up. And then when they have enough experience to qualify for a visa, then bring them over to the States. Is that just in Stafford or is that anywhere? No, we would probably do it anywhere. Honestly, we'd have them work remote. Um, you know, if it was, uh, if they wanted to stay in the UK long term, probably not. But if their goal was to move out to the States in six to 12 months, we would have them work remote with some travel up to Stafford. You know, whenever I come out, I come over two or three times a year. Um, Mark goes up there a couple of times a year. Um, but we would have them based remote working US hours in the US market. And then once they would be able to qualify for a visa, we would then physically bring them over. I can't give anybody advice on what it is to qualify for a visa because everybody gives different answers. Lawyers, recruitment firms, yeah. Rector X. Um, so I think people go with their own risk level. Mm-hmm. What, where does yours sit? Yeah, I mean you're 100 percent right. You know, I, my my wife's a lawyer. You know, I, I know how the you know the law works, and like you know, there really isn't a you know an exact recipe. You know, most it almost lawyers... makes you a lawyer, right? So yeah, exactly, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, well, yeah. The amount of effort she gives me all the time, I probably yeah. probably am. Um, the I think the the general consensus is two years, um, you know, recruitment experience um, plus leadership experience is is the criteria. Um, you know, the key thing with the E two visa, which is what most companies use, um, is that you have to um, you're essentially saying that that they're a leader that you're bringing them over or a manager, and we are not able to find this level of talent in the US. Therefore, you know, we're going to need to bring this individual over and help us grow. And because of that, we're going to hire a bunch of Americans and and things like that. Um, You know, our risk threshold is probably in line with that. You know, we we tend to get people to, um, you know, that two year mark um, before we put them through the visa process. Um, We know, you know, if the visa is declined, it can be very challenging because yeah. they can't go out to the US at all. And, um, you know, if, if you have a visa declined, even, even on a tourist it's tough, visa. tough, isn't it? Yeah. yeah um, you well, know, what, where do you stand on a degree? Does it matter? Does it help? For, in our experience, we've actually only brought people over um, with degrees. So we haven't um, needed to address that. I don't know is the honest answer. My gut feel is that if someone had two years of experience and no degree, that may be a challenge. If they had five years in experience with no degree, that would be yeah. easier um, sometimes it's down to their age profile too right chris because like if somebody had two years experience and they'd left and like and that was from 17 to 19 and they're in front of somebody at the embassy yeah. compared to somebody who's gone to uni done a postgrad a bit older mm-hmm. and like has two years experience and maybe just appears a bit more like ready for a leadership position like it's some of us start to the judgment of the person in front of you right yeah i mean that it is i mean you know you uh, you know, again, it's, it's a crazy process, but you know, it will all be yeah. down to the ten, the ten minutes that you sit in in front of the interviewer. Um, you know, the the application process. You can get declined and not given an interview, but that's very unlikely. Um, but everything is basically based on the decision of the person. And if you are able to convince them that you have the leadership experience and that your move to the US will create more US mm-hmm. jobs. I mean, the two people that we brought over recently, that they both manage teams. And it's 100% true that as soon as they get there, we're hiring more Americans for their teams. So it's creating jobs. Um, but if you can't convince the uh-huh. embassy individual of that, then you're going to be in trouble. Um, 
just to give people an idea, um, so quickly in your introduction, you mentioned you're nearly at 50 um, and you're going to get to 80 um, by the end of the year, um, which going on your growth of the past year is in line with, yep. with that. So great stuff. Um, what type of seats are available for UK people who are interested in speaking to you? Like what, what, what level, what type of desks, what and do they have to be like? in your specific niche can you kind of give us a bit of an insight yeah yeah i mean honestly you know we're you know in terms of the requirements well we really don't care about markets um you know we, we are all about the talent we're all about the people if someone's good enough you know they could recruit for astronauts and we'd hire them like you know there's um, really is no requirement from an industry perspective um we you know we need people that you know again are very very driven ambitious that are top performers um we will take people anywhere from you know honestly probably 18 months experience knowing that you know they would not be able to come to the us with 18 months experience they would have to work um in the um you know in the uk for six months to, you know until we could apply for their visa um right up to you know manager director you know 10 you know sky's the limit you know in in, in that regard um you know my philosophy with with um, you know is, is just getting the right people on the bus so you know regardless of um the markets that they work in you know we we, we would be fine in terms of what we do you know we are in my opinion right on the cutting edge of innovation you know we work engtel does tech so our markets tend to be we have a data team which does data science data engineering machine learning um you know artificial intelligence that that kind of thing um we have a development team so front end back end full stack um development we have more of a physical engineering team electrical engineering mechanical kind of embedded um you know software um you know that kind of thing um and then we have a cloud um and um you know infrastructure team cybersecurity cloud that sort of thing and then also we have biotel um and they do um predominantly medical affairs um and you know within obviously the the life science um world so you're like ideally you want people who've technical recruitment experience um, ideally, um, you know, anything coming out of, you know, tech, life sciences, um, you know, engineering, you know, is, is preferred. Um, but we wouldn't, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about the person, right? You know, I, you know, if someone has done three years of accountancy recruitment, it's completely irrelevant to us. But if they have the right profile, have the right personality, they're driven to, you know, kind of move out to, you know, to, to the US. Um, absolutely, we, we would take someone like that. As, as everyone in recruitment knows, you, you can pick up a market very quickly if you're you're good enough at the job and what's the story any new offices going to be launched because the, the, the main ones in chicago right yep so we're headquartered in chicago uh, we have an office in dallas we have an office in boston uh we're opening in miami um at the um end of this year um i've got sick of the chicago winters so you know going down there for a you know a little bit in the in the, the summer in the winter time will be nice yeah um general thought process there is that you know we 99% of the roles that we work on are remote. So we really don't need to necessarily be within close proximity to our clients. You know, we Zoom with them every day. I think long gone is the time where you need to jump in a car and go and meet your clients. So I actually don't think there's a huge advantage to being within close proximity of, of your clientele. Sure. Um, and the reason for Miami is that, you know, I think a lot of, certainly a lot of British people um, and, um, you know, a lot of other people want to live there. You know, there's, there's no... Um, Big time. No yeah. State, yeah, you know, great weather, no state income income tax so you know our, our kind of strategy for growth is to build hubs where people want to live um yeah. so miami is going to be uh, you know the next one for us and they probably won't recruit for people in miami but you know they can live there and and you know recruit into our our other yeah. geographies 
Yeah, don't go there if you're married. Oh my God. <laughs> what a spot. Yeah, yeah. You stay you out. stay you stay up in the cold north. Like that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That I will. Well, look, I think that's we've covered quite a bit today, Chris. Thanks so thanks for your time. Um, obviously an example of somebody who went over from the UK, made some good decisions, stuck at it at the right time, jumped at the right time, now is on a rocket ship that's going somewhere. And doing it your own way. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. No worries. Always an absolute pleasure, Dualta. I uh, appreciate it in front of anyone that's listening. All right. Take care, Pop. All right. Cheers, buddy. See you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions about uh, Engtal or any of the other people that we work with, please reach out to me. Um, we will drop you a guide for our move to the USA beyond this. Um, I'm always open for a chat, whether you're at the right level or not. We do the USA for sure, and we help facilitate British recruiters, Australian recruiters move over there. Hopefully there'll be more options for Irish recruiters as more founders are opening up. We also do Dubai, Australia, Hong Kong, Singapore, you name it, or fully remote jobs, or even just stuff in the UK. We've over 250 clients. We've been doing this a long time. And myself or Arena, it's always there for a chat. So anything you need to know, just hit us up. And I hope you're all ready for a great summer. Okay, take care. Thank you so much.